0: we are in John 10. We've been in John 10 for the second week. We are continuing in our sermon series called I Am. Jesus makes a delightful statement that he is the good shepherd. It's one of my favorite um, pieces of scripture, and it's a glorious truth for us to reflect on today. So if you have your Bibles, turn to John 10. We'll be in verse 11. We'll go all the way down to verse 21. This is Jesus. He says this, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolves coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me because I lay down my life that I might take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own accord. I have the authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my father. There was again a division amongst the Jews because of these words. Many of them said, he's a demon and is insane. Why listen to him? Others said, these are not the words of one who is oppressed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? Let's pray. Jesus, every verse of your scriptures deserve our attention and our respect. But there are portions, Lord, that come to us overflowing with implications. So Lord, by your spirit, will you make these verses become like bread to our hungry hearts. By your spirit, will you open our hearts to your word and your word to our hearts. What a privilege it is, Lord, to call you the good shepherd there is no one more attentive to our needs, no one more committed to our care, no one more engaged in our protection. Lord, we have an enemy who seeks to steal, kill, and destroy us, but you came to give us life and the fullness of life as only as it can be found in you. And it was at the price of your life, Lord, that you defeated our enemy and purchased us for God. We are your sheep only because you became the lamb. And so we're here to praise you today. Will you soften our hearts and speak to us? Will you help us delight in the fact that we forever get to know you as our lamb, who is our shepherd and forever guiding us? And we pray this in your beautiful name, Jesus. Amen. Last week, we talked about Jesus being the door. This week, we talked to him I talked to him about being the shepherd, the good shepherd. And that's both a history lesson, it's a proclamation, it's a hope, as well as an anchor. You know, Jesus dismayed many in that day when he made the claim to function as the sheep's door. He has compared himself to a shepherd who knows his sheep by name and whose sheep know his voice. And that shepherd has a function. It functions as the door that lets his sheep in and out of pasture. That functions as the door that stands in the way of wolves and thieves and robbers from coming in and harming his flock. Jesus says, this is the function that I serve. This is a little bit like what God is like. This is what I do. You might say that he gave us a job description of one who shepherds. And it's not a unique position that Christ is describing here. Shepherding is a common profession in that day, as common as somebody in sales or marketing today. Many in that day would be shepherds, and many of them would be good shepherds. Shepherds watched over their flocks. They cared for their flocks because they were wholly dependent on their flocks for their livelihood. (laughs) They didn't raise livestock in sort of the same way that we raise livestock today. They weren't raising their flocks to take them to auction for their meat. Shepherds in that day were raising sheep for their wool. And they would have unique relationships with those sheep for decades or a decade. And so for them, it wasn't a quick fattening up and then to the slaughterhouse. But as a shepherd, it was a lifelong commitment to your sheep's flourishing and protection that would be a shepherd that would be common in that day. It also would be a common understanding in that day for people to act like shepherds of others, for people to have their own shepherds. In in the Old Testament, David is called out to by God to be the shepherd of his people, to be the ruler of God's people. Moses on his deathbed declares his successor, Joshua, and he says, he puts them there so that God's people will not be like a sheep without a shepherd. Spiritual leaders in that day would have metaphorically been known as shepherds. And that is really kind of true today because the word for spiritual leader today is pastor and pastor finds its derivative in the Greek word that means shepherd. And so when Jesus says that I'm the door of the sheep, I am the shepherd, it's a wonderful claim. And it's a glorious truth. But it would not be extremely shocking or extraordinary in that day. It's an occupation, a job description, a terminology that they would have been familiar with. Yet we know that it is the person that makes the claim that changes the dynamic. Who says it is what brings it weight. You know, in your life, all of you in here have had different jobs. And across those jobs, you've had multiple different bosses. Bosses are a little bit like shepherds. They share some common job description. And all of those bosses that you've ever had have found themselves on a scale between good and bad. All of us have had good bosses. Well, I hope so. Many of us have had bad bosses. I heard a story once of somebody who worked in a restaurant, and their boss had gathered them pre-service before they began to serve meals, and he was just ripping them for the day before. And at the end of it, he yelled at him, if you're just here for the money, then you should just go home. And after a painful moment of silence, one of the employees with great bravery and courage spoke up and said, I can't go home. I literally need the money for rent. Like bosses, we say crazy things. And sometimes you probably have had a story or an interaction with a boss that you thought, that was crazy. I'd love to hear them afterwards if you do. Here's what you've learned in your employment history. Every boss you've had carries a similar title, with similar job descriptions. Bosses aren't unique in that. They all have similar responsibilities and problems. What separates good bosses from bad bosses isn't competency. It's character. Anyone can do a list of tasks. Anyone can complete a to-do list. It is the content of one's character that matters most. Jesus' desire isn't for us to know him in this function of a shepherd and that he's here to fill it. That's good. Jesus is speaking to us a much more significant, revealing, and hopeful truth about himself, that he is the good shepherd. And fellow sheep, that is good news for us today. This is the big idea That Jesus has all authority and is always good. Jesus has all authority and he is always good. Jesus is the good shepherd. It is both a claim that is an adjective to describe the content of his character, but it's also the fulfillment of one of God's greatest promises. Good is both an adjective and a title. It is both revealing and defining. Jesus isn't just good. He is the good shepherd. In our Old Testament, we find a book entitled Ezekiel. Ezekiel is a prophet priest. He existed around the 6th century BC. He has a decent bread recipe that you may know him by. Although I don't think it's bread. It's more styrofoam if you had Ezekiel bread. It's on that scale. He lived during a very tumultuous time amongst the Israelites They had become so wicked, so rebellious, so bad that God literally removed his presence from earth. If you remember in our Old Testament, there was a thing called the temple. And in the temple, there was a small room called the Holies of Holies in which God himself dwelled his presence on earth. It was so wicked and bad that God removed his spirit from the earth. And in 586... King Nebuchadnezzar came in and destroyed the city and put the Israelites in exile. The leaders of Israel had become so corrupt that God's only response was to remove himself. And Ezekiel lists out three indictments against the shepherds of that day. Three indictments that are at the center of why God removed himself from his people The first indictment was that these so-called shepherds, the leaders of that day, were more concerned about feeding themselves than they were about feeding the sheep. Ezekiel writes it this way in chapter 34. In verses 1 and 2, he says that the word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. prophesy and say to them, even to the shepherds, thus says the Lord, ah, shepherds of Israel, who have been feeding yourself... Should not shepherds feed the sheep? The second indictment that God makes against these shepherds is not only are they not feeding the sheep, but they're actually consuming them. They're devouring God's people. In verse 3, Ezekiel says from God, you eat the fat, you clothe yourself with the wool, you slaughter the fat ones, but you do not feed the sheep. So not only were they not feeding the sheep, but if somebody in their flock in that day would have somehow flourished or thrived or made a way, they would actually find a way to take it from them, to devour them and take what was rightfully theirs and make it theirs, the the shepherds. The third indication or the indictment that God gives to the shepherds is that not only were they not feeding and they were devouring, but they were allowing the lost to stray and not seeking them, which left them vulnerable to prey? In Ezekiel 34, verse four through six, he says this, the, the weak you have not strengthened, the sick you have not healed, the injure, injured you have not bound up, the strayed you have not brought back, the lost you have not sought, and with force and harshness you have ruled them. So they were scattered because there was no shepherd, and they became food for all the wild beasts. My sheep were scattered. They wandered all over all the mountains and over every high hill. My sheep were scattered over all the face of the earth, with no one to search or seek for them. And so Ezekiel describes a time, a period in our history where God's shepherds on earth were in it for themselves. They were in it for their status, for their power, for their fame. They were, in fact, using the sheep for their own purposes and even devouring the flock for their own gain and leaving them vulnerable to pray. And Unfortunately, this is true today in some ways, that there are still shepherds like this. So God is so angry with his people that he calls out these shepherds and he removes his physical presence from earth so that through their destruction, the Israelites might come to their senses and see their heirs. But before God leaves, he makes a promise to his people. He makes a promise that finds its fulfillment in Jesus. In Ezekiel 34, verses 11 through 16, God speaks this. For thus says the Lord God, Behold I I myself will search for my sheep and will seek them out as a shepherd seeks out his flock when he is among his sheep and that have scattered so will I seek out my sheep and I will rescue them from all places where they have been scattered on the day on a day of clouds and thick darkness and I will bring them out from the people and gather them from their countries and I will bring them into their own land and I will feed them on the mountains of Israel, by the ravines, and in all the inhabited places of the country, I will feed them with good pasture. And on the mountain heights of Israel shall, there be grazing, shall be their grazing land. There they shall lie down in good grazing land. And on rich pasture they shall feed on the mountains of Israel. I myself will be their shepherd of my sheep. And I myself will make them lay down, declares the Lord God. I will seek the lost and I will bring the strayed and I will bind up the injured and I will strengthen the weak and the fat and the strong I will destroy. I will feed them in justice. God makes a promise that one day he will do away with the stubbornness of humanity and the wickedness of humanity. He will do away with the reality where the blind are leaving, leading the blind. God foretells a day in which he himself will come and shepherd his people, that he will be the good shepherd. And so in AD 32, amongst the people in that day who would have known their scriptures and memorized their scriptures, when Jesus says, I am the good shepherd, they would have known exactly what he was saying they would have known that it's not a description of his character. He is announcing the fulfillment of one of God's greatest promises, that the good shepherd is here, and he has come to call out his people, and he is called to lead them. And one day, through him, that the Spirit of God would return to the temple. Not a temple that is built by man in bricks and stone that would be destroyed, but the temple of God and all of those who trust in the name of Christ by faith. That God would come again and dwell with his people in them and through them. And not just to the Jews, but he says that he has flocks or sheep of another fold. He's talking about the Gentiles, non-Jewish people in that day, you and I. Jesus says he will be the good shepherd of the world, of the world of God's people in every nation, amongst every tribe, amongst all colors and races, no gender, no status. He will lead his people all over the world. And so what do we do with this glorious truth? What do we do with this profound, beautiful statement? First, I want to talk about the relationship between sheep and shepherds. And then I want to talk about the good news of the good shepherd. You know, it may be laughable, to some of us to think of ourselves as sheep in need of a shepherd. We said last week that the idea of sheep has this derogatory meaning today. And maybe we might think that it's a bit outdated or antiquated to think that the modern self, our modern self, that we actually need a shepherd. It seems to many to be a limiting factor to somehow believe that you need something on the outside to bring your significance and purpose and security and strength. Today, we sort of believe that we have all of them in ourselves, that we have this budding potential in all of them. We just need to figure out the right combinations of life for them to manifest themselves out and reveal themselves fully in our lives. Yet it is the whole evidence of our lives that we need shepherding. All of our lives point to our desire to be shepherd. We may not see it in this moment or be able to fully admit it, but we have always been desperate for a shepherd. Many of us are desperate for an outside force to bring us meaning and purpose. We are insecure. We know the wounds of a parent who has dialect in their responsibility. Leaders who failed us, people who made great promises and left, things that we thought would satisfy us but proved to be a disappointment. We want a shepherd, we just tend to settle for the hired hand. People and things with great promise but with little character, people with great talent but little integrity. There is a laundry list of people and things in our life whom we have followed and trusted. But when the wolves came, they were found out to be in it for themselves. As a sheep, there is no reality, zero reality, where we exist and we are not prey to many things. Now, if you were a sheep that lived in a zoo, maybe you wouldn't have to worry about wolves, but you would have to worry about toddlers with brushes pulling on you and slobbering. Like Maybe you might want the wolf at that point. Zero realities in our lives as sheep where we are not prey to something. Sheep are utterly defenseless. They are naturally nervous, easily frightened. Their security is in the flock and their strength is in the shepherd. Can I say that again? Their security is in the flock and their strength is in the shepherd. We grow up today, most of us, and many of us maybe, believing that there's an invincibility to us. There's an invincibility. We grow up to believe that pain and hardships and struggles and badness won't come our way. We believe that the sky is our limit, that life is ours to capture, it's for our taking, that those bad things won't find us. Never will they find me. Yet there is a day in all of our lives, whether it has happened or will happen, where the difficulties of life will find us, where the wolves of life will seemingly have us, and we will humbly realize whether we are here or not does not matter. Life goes on without us, in spite of us, despite us, not dependent on us. There will always be wolves in our lives that we must navigate, Sheep will always be prey. To do it on your own, without a shepherd, isn't just unwise. It's deadly. You were created to know the good shepherd. F.F. Bruce, who's a pastor, theologian, he says, What was to hold the enlarged flock together and supply the necessary protection from external enemies? not by enclosing walls by the person and the power of the shepherd, but the unity and safety of the people of Christ depend on their proximity to him. In this life, there's been a medieval idea that has saturated itself into our life, that life is yet a wheel of fortune that we are just spinning around on, where fate takes us up, 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 and up. But it's always tempered knowing that we always come back down. Going up simply means there will be a time that comes when I will come back down. Life is a wheel. It's inevitable. Today we speak about karma. What you put into things will eventually come back to you. Good things, if you sow in good things, good things will come back to you. And bad things that you may get good for a while, but eventually if you sow in bad, bad things will come back to you. I think that's a horrible way to live life. It's a Christless way to live life. A shepherdless way to live life. The soul of a believer is not bound to hopelessness. It is not bound to fate or mystical karma. We are secured by a singular wonderful shepherd who is good in all of his work, who watches over us and cares for us and never wanes. It is Christ, our good shepherd, that we hope in. What is it that makes him so good, though? What is it that makes him good? He is qualified to fulfill this promise that God made, but what is it in his character that makes him good? It's because he is unlike the hired hand. Christ has laid down his life for the sheep. It is easy to make promises, isn't it? It is easy to make statements about our goodness. Social media allows us to have multiple personas in which we can reflect to the world what we want them to see. So it may be with some skepticism that we say, well, is he really good? Is he as good as he says he is? We live in a world where goodness seems relative. Christ is unlike the hired hand. He has sacrificed himself to save the sheep. He alone allows the wolves to slaughter him, that his sheep will go free. Yet that understanding to us seems maybe a trifle insignificant because maybe we believe that there would be many that would come and give that sort of sacrifice themselves, that there are many shepherds who would actually risk their life to protect the sheep what denotes Christ is any more significant than they? It's in this. It's in that Christ would lay down his life for the sheep, not because he had to, not because he was overpowered, but because he wanted to. Christ is the immortal God, the all-sufficient God, preeminent. He is the great I am. There is no reason that he would need to die. Other... And for his love for humanity, he willed it and subjected himself to the bond of a covenant that would allow him to willfully suffer for his sheep. But even greater than that authority to lay down his own life at his choosing, he has the power and authority to take it back up again. He can take it back up. The people of AD 32 did not know that this lamb would go and die for their sins, nor do they know that he would be resurrected into new life, that we might have abundant life. But we do. We do. If God allows us to hear this today, to understand and depend and hope and anchor ourselves in the goodness of a shepherd who claimed the office of a long-sought-off promise the fulfillment of God's hope for creation. Christ is the good shepherd. But more than that, that God would allow you to understand the depths of his goodness in the way that he cares for you. That by his own choosing, he laid down his own life to suffer for you. That might we look anew to the shepherd? Might we rest in him today? Look, I'm convinced in all of my time in this pulpit that I will never be here to teach you how to be better sheep but to reveal to you the goodness of our shepherd. Abundant life does not come through better versions of yourself but through clearer vision of your shepherd. All of life is from him and through him and for him. And Psalm 23, this beautiful, glorious psalm that David writes, gives us a picture of the kind of peace and life that comes with those who trust in the good shepherd. Psalm 23. Powerfully written scripture that is known by many of us. That the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want... You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Friends, life is not an object to conquer. It's a journey that reveals and refines. And it has twists and turns. And around those twists and turns, you can be assured that there will be wolves There will be struggles and harm that will come your way, but will you let him lead? Will you trust in his care? Will you lean into the flock and will you look to the shepherd? In him is all authority to lay down his life and to take it back up and all he can ever be is good. Your circumstances don't define him, he does. He is the good shepherd that calls his flock out by name and goes before them. That is good news for us sheep today.